everybody. Welcome back to the podcast daily for Monday, February 27th. This is Bill Landis. That's Berm. Uh, Austin Ward is, uh, I don't know, is he still golfing Berm? I don't know what that guy's doing, but he's not with us. Uh, for, for the Monday daily, he'll be back, I suppose, later in the week, unless he's just decided to move to North Carolina and just make golfing a Pinehurst's life. I think that he celebrates his birthday longer than most 16-year-olds, but <laughs> I'm all for it. Happy birthday. I don't think it's, his actual birthday hasn't occurred yet, believe it or not, but uh, he's yeah. still just really, really going for it. And uh, who are we to get in the way of that? So, um, yeah, um, it, it, he'll be back, I think, uh, on Tuesdays daily with you as, as our normal rotation. But until then, yeah. it's you and I. That's right. That's right. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL Combine. Uh, it is Combine Week. Uh, it officially actually starts on Monday today with player interviews and guys getting into town and, and stuff like that. But the workouts and the, the media interviews will be later in the week. Berman Austin will be there uh, continuing the series with Cameron Brown, the Dream Chaser series. So make sure you keep in, uh, in touch with that and also uh, more coverage on the Buckeyes. Uh, we'll table that for a second. Uh, talk quickly about hoops, Berm, because the Buckeyes, for the first time in 36 days, won a basketball game on yeah. Sunday uh, against Illinois. Uh, it was a rather emphatic win, 72-60, to 60, uh, against a team that was kind of fighting for its NCAA tournament life, fighting for seeding in the Big Ten tournament. A, a desperate team came into Value City Arena, and Ohio State out-desperated them and, and played uh, much better, I think, than Illinois did, which is uh, a welcome sight for Chris Holtman's Buckeyes. And, and wouldn't you know it, it was sort of spearheaded by this freshman class that we've been kind of clamoring for all along, to see Chris Holtman kind of hand the reins over to them, and, and they got good results out of that on, on Sunday. Yeah, it looks like like Bruce Thornton and some of these younger guys who ha- hit that midseason lull have come over the other side of it and really are playing well. Thornton's playing great ball. Um, they looked surprisingly competent. They looked uh, aggressive on offense and defense, which was nice to see. They were physical on defense um, and, and really just played with a lot of energy, which we haven't seen them do in the last two months. And um, it, it's unfortunate that it, you know, you haven't seen that consistently from these guys, but it does at least give a little bit of uh, juice towards, hey, next year if if you can find a way to convince Bryce Sons the ball to come back. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. you know, if if you're looking for Buckeyes fans a reason to donate to the NIL collectives, uh, <laughs> this might be the way you can help because Bryce Sons the ball. Uh, may need a little bit of uh, extra uh, love from the the foundation and, and cohesion and whoever else is out there supporting those uh, endeavors. But there are really talented players on this basketball team. Uh, it's not always going to look pretty. I thought Felix Akpara played well. Roddy Gale's stepping into his own. Uh, you really do like what you see. And then I, I think, I mean, we've been a little bit, um, I don't want to say joking at their expense with some of the veterans, but it, it does say a lot about guys like just assuming to show up and, and continue to be there every day when you know that this is not your team anymore. You are being put in a position to essentially um, help just stem the tide and, and, and get ready to, to turn the, the program over to these younger guys. And Justice played a really good game pretty, pretty much on, on Sunday, except for a one three-pointer that I'm like, what are you doing that for? But that's, that's irrelevant. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think for Buckeyes fans, again, I know we've talked about it on this show and others. They don't love when we talk hoops, but I like hoops. You like hoops. And guess what? This is our microphone. And you will listen to every word we have to say. (laughs) Um, Wednesday night, senior night at Ohio State against Maryland. Show up and support those guys on their way out of town and and give them some love. And and hope that you can see the next wave of of another win against a good quality team 
as the Buckeyes try to get a little momentum heading into Big Ten tournament play. Yeah, two games left uh, Wednesday at home against Maryland in the finale for the, the home games, as you said. Uh, over the weekend, I, b- I believe it's Sunday. It might be Saturday. Yeah. I might have a day's mix up against Michigan State. Always uh, Sunday senior against night. Michigan State. It's, it's, always, it's always senior night in East Lansing for Ohio State's last game. Uh, this will be no different this year. And then the Big Ten tournament uh, kicks off the following Wednesday in Chicago, and I believe Ohio State is already locked into playing on that Wednesday evening as one of the, the lower four seeds there uh, in the Big Ten tournament. So uh, I don't know. If they play like they played against Illinois, they could be an interesting team in Chicago. And I guess I would just leave it at that, and maybe that's all you can hope for at the moment. Um, but it is nice to see the freshman, especially Bruce Thornton, who is going to be, I think, a really important four-year player for Ohio State, seemingly coming into his own a little bit as, as the season kind of winds down and everyone's sort of waiting for it. And at least he can maybe grab onto that and as, as something to be hopeful about. Heading into next season, um, combine berm. Uh, it is an event that the importance of which I think tends to get overblown a little bit uh, year to year. But Ohio State has a big contingent there again this year. They have eight guys. It is uh, going out to Indianapolis this week for poking and prodding and testing and interviews and field workouts and all all that fun stuff. Um, who among the group of guys that's going to be there do you think maybe stands to gain the most from the week in Indianapolis? Uh, Zach Harrison is probably my pick. If I had to choose one guy that is in a position to really cement where people could see him, his athleticism is so different, uh, and, but it doesn't always look fluid. And I think he has an opportunity to show people that he is a next level freak athlete and maybe didn't always put that on display at Ohio state, but he's now becoming a much better football player too. Yeah, he's a guy who came up when I did a, a show with Dane Brugler of The Athletic last week, um, talking about a few guys, a few of the draft prospects. And Dane brought up a good point, which which I think is interesting. I think we all know that Zach is is a pretty special sort of straight line athlete. Um, how he tests in, in more of the agility-based stuff I think will be interesting. Maybe if he chooses to do that, he certainly doesn't have to do it. Um, but I, I, I'm going to make a comparison that is going to sound insane, and I don't mean it to come off as a one-for-one comparison, but last year, the number one overall pick in the draft, Trayvon Walker, was not a guy who was a productive college. He was a fine college player. He wasn't a yeah. super productive college player, not in the way that you would assume for the number one overall pick in the draft. But what he was was a defensive lineman with freaky athletic traits uh, who sort of overcame the production or maybe perceived lack thereof at Georgia. Um, actually, if you stack Zach and Trayvon Walker's production next to each other, it's all not all that different. Um now, Trayvon Walker maybe is, is probably a better athlete across the board than Zach, but I think it's on the table for Zach to come out of Indianapolis having turned some heads and maybe going from a guy who's, I don't know, borderline like top 80 in the draft or top 60 in the draft to a guy who's like pretty firmly in the second round when teams start to picking players here come May. Yeah, and you're looking at a person who is six foot six, 200 and probably, I'd imagine he'll check in around 275. Um, in high school, he ran a sub 22 in the 200. I mean, that's a that's a rare specimen. Uh, extremely long. There's everything that you want and a measurable, you know, a factor for a defensive end. He has now. He does not necessarily always show the bend. I think that people want to see, and that's maybe that's just who he is. But that doesn't mean he's not going to get a chance to to take some shots in the NFL. Jason Oway, who's maybe a little bit more flexible than uh, Zach had a lot of similar traits, I think, coming out of Penn State. And 
or Odafe Owe, whatever. I'm not sure which name he goes by now. But when he was being recruited, it was Jason. Yeah, um, he was Jason at the combine, and then I think he was Odafe by the time the draft came around. But you know that 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 type of player is always going to turn heads in the NFL, and the, the upside uh, is much more important in the NFL than what someone actually put on statistical lines in college. Um, Zach is certainly the guy that I, comes to mind for me above everyone else. Um, but I think it's a big week for CJ too. I mean, I don't know exactly what he's going to be doing there um, for CJ Stroud. I mean, this is a player who, depending on who you pay attention to, some people have him as the number one quarterback taken in the draft and, you know, maybe number one overall. Some people have him as the number four quarterback. And you're like, mm-hmm. how do, I don't know how anyone, and this is not to knock anyone else and if any Kentucky fans or whatever watch this show, I'm not trying to knock anyone else. I don't know how you can look at Will Levis or 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 um, uh, Anthony Richardson, a- Anthony Richardson, and say that that player is the same caliber of player as C.J. Stroud, based on what we've seen at Ohio State in the last two years, and and the ability to throw the ball the way he does, the athleticism was always a question. I get it, and Richardson's a freak. He, he's a you know a really interesting physical guy, but clearly the ability to throw the football, which is still what the quarterback position is about. It's Bryce Young and it's CJ Stroud, and there's no one else uh, in that company in that conversation. That that is what CJ will have to do. I'm, I'm assuming CJ is going to throw because I think that's his trump card at the combine. Um, maybe he'll probably run too, I'd imagine, but I don't think he's going to wow anybody, especially if he in alphabetical order is running right after Anthony Richardson runs. That's not the best spot for CJ Stroud to be in, um, but he can go out on the field and it's it's routes on air, like it's nothing crazy, but. His accuracy, his ball placement, um, timing, anticipation, all that stuff is is what sets him apart from everybody else, maybe aside from Bryce Young, because I think Bryce is pretty good at those things too. But CJ is going to stand ne- next to Bryce Young, and people are going to realize that he's a foot taller than Bryce. So I think that'll help CJ as well. Um, if he has a good day throwing the ball, um, then I think he comes out of combine in fine shape. Uh, the one thing I, I do worry, or not worry, but wonder about with CJ and I think this maybe applies to Jackson Smith and Jigba too, as they're going through the interview processes with the teams themselves. And maybe not a whole lot of information comes out about that. But I, I wonder if teams might go to CJ and be like, hey, man, that Georgia game is like everything we ever wanted to see from you. Where was it for the previous 26 games or whatever it was? Like there was a there was a I, I think uh, as we talked about CJ, we always sort of talked about how he was a he was a higher level competitor than maybe he he exudes just sort of naturally. Yeah. But that was that was a different kind of example of it on the field, I think, than from anything we ever saw from him. And I do wonder if teams might, you know, grill him a little bit about why that was the case, why why it took that game for that to come out of him. No, and that's a fair question. I mean, I I have talked about it a few times. I'll go back to it now, like third week of, of his redshirt freshman season, Ryan Day mentioned, he said, CJ has to ask himself how bad he wants this. And that's something I've always gone back to. I've gone back to the idea that maybe he thought it was going to be a little bit easier. Maybe he didn't realize everything that had to go into it. He clear, he clearly turned the table or, or, and turned the corner uh, in the middle part of his redshirt freshman year and played really great ball all the way through the rest of that season including that unbelievable Rose Bowl. Um, and then, mm-hmm. you know, this season he was not the player that he was the year before, but there's a lot of reasons for that. And part of the reason, I think, is Jackson Smith and Jigba not having him around. So uh, I, I think you will. I think the, the question from an Ohio State perspective is, are NFL teams going to look at C.J. Stroud and see Dwayne Haskins, or are they going to see Justin Fields, or are they going to say, 
all these guys are in the system and, and it's an easy system for quarterbacks to throw it in. Does it matter? It, or what is, you know, how does he step outside of that perception that any quarterback can be successful in that um, offense, which is weird that all of a sudden now it's like, oh, the offense is too easy and too good. So like, <laughs> it wasn't that way until you had quarterbacks that could run it. So it's not something where uh, I think people should have that held against them. But yeah, Jackson is the one, you know, the other guy that obviously everything to prove to people this week. I mean, uh, I, I've heard from people that, you know, or you read it and you're like, oh, he's a second round pick. Or I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, don't fool yourself into believing that Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be a top 20 pick in the draft. And he's going to be the NFL offensive rookie of the year next year. And that's just the way it's going to be. Like some, <laughs> someone should be smart enough to see that. And I know that the people at Ohio state, when they're being asked about Jackson Smith and Jigba by NFL personnel are raving about him. And, and the fact that he is everything you want a receiver to be, um, I think what's interesting is to see Jackson sort of step outside of his shell a little bit. I don't know if you saw the exchange on Twitter with Steve Smith, where Steve Smith was talking about how Jackson was an incredible route runner, must have majored in route running or something like that. And it's going to be a, a you know high level slot player. And Jackson on Twitter said, I can play anywhere. I'm not just a slot. Like, I appreciate the compliment, but like, it's just sort of weird to see that he's in a position where he has to defend himself um, when it's probably not, it shouldn't be necessary. The th- the thing that I find interesting with with Jackson is is one he's going to get grilled about why he didn't play in the playoff like how close he was to one hundred percent if he could have played what those conversations were like and ultimately why he made that decision and that's fine like I I don't know if ultimately that impacts things there's been guys who have who have um, sat out and I'm, I'm not I'm not saying Jackson sat out but there have been guys that have like very clearly sat out um, and still dr- been drafted highly so I'm not sure how much that that actually impacts him but I do wonder with him is is he more of a on, like do it on the field kind of guy. Like I don't, I don't know if he's going to blow anyone away with his athletic testing. How much can a receiver really accomplish when they're just like running the gauntlet and running against routes on air? And, and I guess maybe they'll do some one on ones with the defensive backs, and you can get a better feel for that. But but uh, Jackson always seemed to me like a when the lights on kind of guy, and when the lights are on kind of guy. And unfortunately, he didn't have the opportunity to show much of that in his second year when he would have done some of that stuff on the outside and shown people that he was more than just a slot receiver. So um, he just doesn't have the film to back it up. I think you just have to be someone who sort of fell in love with what he did um, at the tail end of the 2021 season. And, and I believe that there probably would be enough of those people to still draft him in the first round. But I don't I don't think he's a second round talent by any means. If he ended up getting picked there, I don't think I'd be terribly surprised. But I think he has the opportunity to change some minds this weekend or this week as he goes through the interview process, the medicals most importantly, probably. Um, and then whatever he's able to do on the field, if if anything at all. Yeah, with him, it's interesting. I think if he runs sub four or five, when he gets out there and you see him in like the three cone, like he's going to I wouldn't be surprised if he's close to like a combine record for in the, in that sort of space. You think so? He is, he's so good in the short uh, short space quickness. So if he runs sub four or five, he's a I think he's top fifteen pick in the draft. So uh, the question is, how healthy has he been? How much has he been working on that? Has he figured out all of the the ability to start and stop and how to properly set up in the you know it's not running a forty yard dash is not running forty yards on a on a nine route. You know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. it's not the same. You you are starting in a weird way. Um, and that's something that when we, we were in Florida with Cameron Brown uh, in January that he was working on because everyone knows that he's super fast, but it's still weird to start that, uh, you know, the, the setup is different and you have to be in a really 
you know, proper uh, alignment and all that stuff. And, um, you know, Cam and, and certainly um, Ronnie Hickman are two other guys that I think are going to be really in, in the spotlight this week. Cam to see if he's healthy. Um, you know, he missed the Shrine Bowl because of a little nagging injury to the groin that he wanted to, to take care of. Um, and Ronnie, because Ronnie, the first half of the season that just passed, would probably be a top 40, 50 pick in the draft. And then we watched in the second half of the season uh, and he did not look very good at at times. And and I'm interested physically to see what he can go out there and put, uh, put together because he's extremely bright, but is, is it going to show up on tape when people are looking at what happened in Michigan uh, later half of the season? He just didn't seem quite as invested. And those are the questions I'm like, Hey, what happened here to, to figure out what really was causing that? Yep, I think I think that's a big storyline for him this week. Um, I'm interested to see what Cam Brown runs, and then I guess just to kind of put a bow on everyone who's there, uh, it's the three offensive linemen: Parrish Johnson, Dewan Jones, Luke Whipler. Um, Luke Whipler, I, 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 this this frankly is not really an event for offensive linemen, in my opinion. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot to gain from it, but um, I'm interested in two things. One, just how athletic Paris shows himself to be, because I'd imagine it's going to be like pretty damn athletic. And then two, uh, can Dewan Jones avoid like hurting himself, like like not injuring himself, but like hurting his stock because people look at a guy who's as large as he is and think, oh, that guy moves pretty well on tape. Does does that translate to doing some of these more like, like athletic based testing drills in a way that doesn't hurt him um, and and kind of ruin his draft stock a little bit because I think he's trending in a really good direction. I, like if this keeps going the way that it's been building for him, I think he could be a first round pick, but if he's like a little clumsy or whatever, when he's going through some of these drills in Indianapolis, maybe, maybe the, the reins get pulled back on that a little bit. Yeah. But when he runs like a four, nine, five at six, eight, 360 pounds, people yeah. will be like, what in the world am I watching? Um, right. You know, all those guys are going to interview very well. Um, you know, I, I, I have no, doubt that if I were in Luke Whipler's position, I probably would have made the same decision he made. I don't think he made the right decision for his NFL future. I'd love to be proved wrong uh, for his sake. Um, I I think he would have been better served with another year at Ohio State, but um, I don't know that he's the number one center in the draft, and if you're not for sure, I don't know how you leave early. Uh, I don't Mm -hmm. know if he's the number two center in the draft, and so, I mean, he's going to have some things to prove to to people this week, Um, and and knowing Luke and, and knowing how intelligent he is and how well he's able to handle things um, from a mental side of, of the interview process. He's going to kill it. But uh, all those guys are, are very interesting in there. You know, they, there's questions about each of them. Paris is certainly going to be a top 10 pick. I, I, I believe he's going to be the top tackle picked in this draft and uh, kind of knew that about him three years ago. That's the path he was going on. But he still only played te- left tackle one year in college football. And, th- and that is something people are going to wonder. Um, some of the film uh, against Georgia, you look at it and you're like, Hey, this is how he's going to hold up. Dewan was just as good in that game. So, I mean, yep. does, how does that play into things? And um, ultimately I think everyone that's there has a chance to really help themselves. Um, it, you know, there are guys like Cam Brown who, if he goes out, and, and all the talk around him is, you know, should be in the four threes. If he's not, and he's a four five one or four five two, then you might be looking at someone moving off the draft board totally. Right. Um, so there are, you know, big moments coming up for those guys. Yeah, I don't think anyone's like a totally known commodity for sure, which makes makes the week maybe a little more interesting than it has been for Ohio State guys in the past. And even a guy like C.J. Stroud, who 
is like certainly is a known commodity. It, the difference between the third quarterback taken and the first quarterback taken is obviously uh, very different for both CJ and for Ohio State as, as a program. If they can say they had a QB one taken in a given draft class, so uh, a lot of storylines to follow out there. Like I said, you and Austin will be there um, documenting that the players there, but also continuing the Dream Chaser series with Cameron Brown. Uh, change of the schedule this week, right, Burn? We're doing Roosters on Tuesday, not Monday. Correct. Um, in order to facilitate our travel to Indianapolis and make sure that everything is streamlined and to give me a chance to clear up the old sinuses here, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll skip Monday and get into Roosters uh, on Tuesday and then head over to Indianapolis from there. So looking forward to it. Cool. All right. We'll have that on Tuesday, Tuesday morning, obviously another episode of the daily Austin will be back with me. Uh, that will do it for this episode of the daily uh, for Berm. I'm Bill. Thanks so much for watching and listening and we'll catch you guys next time.